Okay, everyone, welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach for solopreneurs and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabarr.com. Our podcast is all about alternative sales strategy, whether that's workshopping with people like you or meeting with other experts to bring you real help you can implement now. So this episode is about cold calling that works without feeling gross. Seriously, I know you all are really grossed out right now, but it's not gross. And it's with Jennifer Fry. She's the CEO of Appreciated Asset Business Solutions. Their sales accelerator program offers a done-for-you cold calling service for their clients. So Appreciated Assets team will reach out to your ideal prospects consultatively, educate them about your solution, and set you up with new business appointments. With decades of experience, they are able to keep you client-facing, grow your business, and provide you all of the benefits of a cold calling campaign without any of the time or energy. In her off time, she loves to run, read, practice yoga, and travel with her eight-year-old son, Max. Welcome to the big show, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Thank you. I love the title. <laughs> so when I, I, you guys, I think I've told you this before. I hate cold calling. I mean, I've definitely done it um, and I'm not terrible at it, but it's not my favorite. And this is really good for anyone who is um, having an issue where they want more leads, more sales appointments. And Jennifer is like a unicorn. Whenever I meet somebody who likes cold calling, I'm like, wow, you have a really valuable skill set. You must <laughs> be in high demand because like no one likes it. Um, but Jennifer also really aligns with like my sales philosophy of, you know, being of service to clients and, and not getting scared and rejected and stuff. So Jennifer, I'd love to just hear a little bit first about like how you figured out how to not hate cold calling. Well, I mean, it was really by necessity. I found myself in positions that required cold calling, either face-to-face -face calls, um, you know, in-person door-to-door knocking, which, man, I really could not stand the idea of walking into a business cold. And I also knew out of efficiency, I could probably reach 10 businesses via the phone in the time it would take me to walk into one. Um, so... Really, it was kind of a combination of necessity and efficiency that I started picking up the phone and connecting with people that way. And I just find it's the best way to establish rapport quickly and also weed out um, prospects that are really not the right fit for you. Yeah, and that's so important, I think, to the mindset. Um, people get really scared of cold calling, in my experience, because they don't want someone to be mean to them. Is that your experience with the aversion to cold calling? You know, I think most people are really fear the rejection. And the mantra that I always play for myself is that hurt people hurt people. And when someone's rude to me, it has nothing to do with who I am. It has nothing to do with what I said or, or what I'm doing. Um, people who are not good with themselves, people who are dealing with other things, it has nothing to do with us. If they're rude, it's just not the right fit for me. Uh, the energy doesn't align with what I'm looking for. So I'm good moving on. And I just don't take it personally. And you can't. 
It never is personal. Um, it's a really hard thing for people to wrap their brain around. Like I know some people are like, yeah, sounds nice, but, um, but the truth is like it, I, I mean, the, the advice that I usually give around cold calling is like, you have no idea what's going on in someone's life. When you call, like they could be in the middle of a bad day. They could be in the middle of a good day. They could have had just had a fight with somebody or whatever, you know, and like keeping in mind, like, it's just so not about you. Like they're literally only thinking of themselves and whatever is going on in their life in that moment. Um, so you're right. Like, it's just not, it's just not personal. It's whatever they have going on and whether you fit into it or not, basically, but I'm sure you have some strategies that kind of disarm them to make them feel like it's not a sales call or something that reminds them that you're a person. Like I'm a human like you. So Mm -hmm. like, what does that sound like? Well, I really love to engage in a conversation. I think the cold calling is an excellent way to build rapport quickly um, with people. In fact, some of the closest people in my life, um, business and personally, I've met through cold calls that we've just connected through conversation. But, you know, making sure that when you reach out to someone, you are coming at it with a heart of service and you do have something valuable to share. You have a very um, distinct purpose for that call and you get to it. And again, it's really less about selling someone or pitching someone, but educating them um, about something that you are confident that they need to know about. So can you give me an example of like what it sounds like? They pick up, ring, ring, and you're like, hey, how are so, you? Yeah, um, I would say something like this is Jennifer Fry calling with Appreciated Asset. We work with businesses across the country on different B2B solutions, mostly HR operations and marketing. But specifically, the reason I'm calling you today is we have a program called a Sales Accelerator that's been a phenomenal resource to our other B2B service-based businesses. So I wanted to talk to you about how we could take cold calling off your plate, but still keep you client facing with new business appointments with your ideal prospects. Okay. And then what do they say if they're interested? Um, You know, again, because what we do is, is a very different offer and a different service than most people have heard of, it truly usually gets people's interest peaked. I know it it's a great, it's a great lead in. It really is like, would you like me to cold call and get you appointments? People are yeah. like, tell me more. Like, Well, the bottom line is that I, we can take that off someone's plate. So that is a problem that we can solve, but also we are very clear about our ideal clients and our ideal clients want to grow their businesses. So if we reach out to someone who says, I'm too busy, I don't need more clients. That's not our ideal. We want someone who's busy and wants more and will figure it out as they grow because they want to continue to grow their business. Those are our ideal partners energetically, but also just strategically for long-term partnerships. Those are the types of clients and partners that we want to work with. So they tend to leave themselves out. If they're not interested in growing and getting more business, then cool. Have a great day. Move on. And it, there is a lot of sales calls. It's just a numbers game. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know looking at a lead list or something like this person mm-hmm. is ready to grow. Like, it's just hard to know that. 
And that is totally a thing. I mean, I think there are industries that are more prone to that, like contractors. They just never have the capacity to grow basically. Um, you know, certain people like that, that like are flying by the seat of their pants with the way that they do business, um, like low barrier, like low barrier to entry and everyone on their staff is a contractor, probably not in a good place to grow. So yes, dialing in like your audience is definitely part of it. Knowing that you're talking to the right people, but like, I know that you do cold calling for other offers that maybe don't pique as much interest as this one. So how do you, you, it's clear that you get to the point and you have a hook. Yes. Of something we that they might want. We talk about the value proposition. What sets our partners apart from the other noise in the marketplace? We talk about their success metrics. Um, and it's the same, it is the same scenario each time. If they have a problem that that client or that prospect needs solved, then they will set up a new business plan. The other thing that happens often is we'll create pipelines. So oftentimes it's not a no, it's a not now. And someone will say, I would love to do this, but, you know, I'm going away for three weeks or I just lost my sales manager and I don't have the bandwidth to have this conversation until I get someone new on board. Whatever it is, we're there to create that pipeline as well. And that's really important that you are able to just ask, when would you like me to circle back with you? It, it's alarming to me how often someone will say, no, I'm not interested. And I'll say, is there a good time to circle back? And most people at that point, I do think would hang up the phone and say, okay. But I always ask, is there a good time? And sometimes they say, yeah, call me back in a month. Well, that's nothing. We're going to blink. It's going to be a month. I mean, that's no problem. I'll call you right back. And then some say, call me in three months or six months, but we're creating these pipelines where we're in front of people in the timeline that they've set is the right time for them to have that conversation. The other thing I want to mention that we do for our clients, as well as for our clients' prospects, is we always try to solve their problems. So for example, you mentioned staffing, you know, in construction, staffing is a huge nightmare right now, right? A lot of different industries it is. So what I've done to eliminate that barrier, but also, again, to be of service to my clients, is I've partnered with a fantastic staffing agency. So when I hear a client or a potential client say, we can't grow, we don't have the staff, I make an introduction for them to solve that issue, and then I circle back in a few months. So it's a longer process, but I am bringing them value for their organization, whether they use us or not. We're also helping now two businesses that we want to help grow and, you know, countless other people that may be getting jobs through those opportunities. Well, and I think that's a really unique angle on it um, to think of popular solution partners that allow you to still help somebody, even if it's not um, something that you directly benefit from. Cause I think that's often why people don't like sales calls is that it feels like the person doesn't have their best interests in mind. Right. So clearly if you're offering a solution, whether it benefits you or not, you do have their best interests in mind. And that just makes you stand out right there. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, and we really do want to help. We really do. And we want, Yeah, it's that intention that 
so, I mean, I talk about this a lot with people when I work with them, like having the intention of truly trying to understand someone's situation and help them naturally directs your energy and tone and expressions. And all of these things are immediately, you know, naturally flowing without you having to think about it because the intention is just there. And so the fact that you're like, no, really, I'm here to help if I can, mm-hmm. I'm sure is just disarming in itself to people. It is. And, you know, if at that point I have someone say, well, no, we're not going to hire now because of this or because of that. At that point, I know that they're just trying to be polite and give excuses. and They're just not really interested. And that's okay, too. Or maybe that's- they're just lazy. There are people that, like, just don't want to do stuff. Like, growing sounds like work. And I'm right. not interested. And that's a thing, too. And, like, and those are her people. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay. If you just want to stay in the same spot and you're happy with what you got, like that's totally acceptable too. Um, so yeah, really taking that approach. Like, are we a fit? I call it like matchmaker closer. Like I don't need to get every person to say yes. (laughs) Um, but like just, you know, looking for a no, as much as a yes. Mm -hmm. For sure. At least that way you can get that past that and go on to more uh, fresh opportunities. Absolutely. And it's it's amazing to me how many times, sometimes people just won't give you the no. And it's like, it's okay. If this isn't right for you right now, that's okay. Same type of thing. Is there a better time for me to circle back with you? So as much as people fear with cold calling, rejecting, getting rejected, people don't want to say no either. And so they There's, avoid. So it's, it's, an, it's an American thing. It's funny. Cause actually it varies by culture. Like, like in England, they're so polite that they'll never say no. They have to say no. in like so many words and the same thing in like Japanese cultures I've heard. Mm-hmm. And then some people are just very, very blunt. Like is Israel. <laughs> yes. I have found that. I've, I found that, and I will tell you, if we could just cold call on Canada forever, we would, because what they say about Canadians being the nicest people ever is so true. <laughs> and they're just so kind. And even when they say no, it is the kindest no. I will uh-huh. put that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. So what are the biggest mistakes that you see around cold calling? Like why it's not successful? Um. I think people are not targeted in their prospecting. So when they're cold calling, they're either not reaching, you know, really those ideal customers that, you know, the solution is is valuable for them. Um, I think that people also, I think a lot of it is mindset. You know, cold calling can be exhausting And so there's certain times where you have to kind of get up, walk around a little bit, come back to it and have the same energy on call number 50 that you had on call number one. And that's not easy to do, but it is a skill that can be learned. And so I think what does happen sometimes is people will start off with their energy being really, really good. And then they get affected by others' energies. And then it kind of peters throughout the day or throughout their cold calling block. So I'd say maybe, you know, if you find that happening to you, schedule smaller blocks, 
do it, you know, more staggered times during the day might be helpful. Um, but really just staying in that mindset that when you do get answers that you don't necessarily love or responses that aren't ideal for you, that you realize that again, this is just a numbers game and it's getting you one closer to the next, to the next customer and to the next conversation. It's really valuable. Yeah. The other thing I think is that people take no's and they get, they don't ask to follow up. And yeah. I think that that's a big opportunity missed. And then they take no's from people who are not actual decision makers. Yeah. I meant to ask about that. Like, what do you, what's your gatekeeper strategy? Um, I think the gatekeeper can be your biggest advocate. If you come at it with the energy and the position of that gatekeeper being a valuable part of the process. I think a lot of people dismiss gatekeepers um, as, you know, non-consequential. In the um, way. You're just in the way. Yeah. yeah. And I think that if you can create a relationship and, you know, and really, again, part of service but talk to them about how this can help them and how it can take things off their plate and their team. Um, they can be your biggest advocate. And then there's sometimes just like with decision makers, you have a gatekeeper that just uh, is just very unhappy with their life. And, you know, they, you know, the only power they have is saying no to people like you. So it doesn't matter what you have. You, they're just going to say no. And if you have someone who will not hear you out, will not give you the respect and the time, then you just go around them. It's that simple. So, yeah, if possible, or just move on to the next one. It sounds like like or this move is on just to the next there. one, but really try to get around that gatekeeper um, when you can. How? Um, uh, if you can't do it via the phone, just go to direct email, and there's plenty of places to find direct emails that. It's not that difficult, but, you know, you, you just send it quick here. I feel like yeah. we should mention those places to find emails. Yeah. I mean, there's places like zoom info or rocket reach, um, even LinkedIn. Sometimes you can find email address, sometimes just a simple Google search, um, or figuring out, you know, an email, uh, formula for a business and just taking that right. with the decision maker's name. And so there's a lot of different ways you can play around with it, but, um, what I, you know, I'd recommend is just an email saying, I've been trying to reach you and this is why, and just go right for the solution immediately. Um, this is why I've been trying to reach you. This is why I've been so persistent. Um, and then move, move it along. And if they say no, same thing. Is there a better time to circle back? Yeah. And do you ask a question at the end? Like, would this be of interest to you? Something you explain the solution. I explain the solution and I typically have a link for my calendar where they can schedule right then and there. There's no back and forth of scheduling issues. So I typically will include a link right then and there. If you want to discuss further, here's, here's my calendar. Okay. And how many times do you follow up with somebody? Cause sometimes they just won't answer. In terms of email or phone. I, my strategy is about every third to fourth business day, really just depending on uh, what it is, how frequently we've already, we've already reached out, but typically between every third to fourth business day, they will receive another point of contact from us. 
for how long? Um, in some cases, I would like to tell you it's almost indefinitely. I just want to get a yes or a no. Um, wow. That's well, why this woman is so successful. I, I'm, I am tenacious when it comes yeah. to follow through. But I will also tell you this. Um, and I, I'm learning this in my own business. You want to work with people who want to engage with you. And so if it has been three months and someone can't even return a text message or a phone call or an email, then it is time to move on and, and know that energetically it is not the right match for you. And you don't want to be chasing someone who can't even give you the respect of a reply. So I think that's important too. And for my clients, I, I tell them two months, two months with no response, it's time to move on. And so I'm, I'm starting to adopt that for my own business as well. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people have that feeling that cold calling gives them sort of, um, already at a power disadvantage. Like they seem desperate for the business and chasing the business and that kind of a vibe, um, I would think that that would go away as soon as the appointment is made. Because once they've agreed to the appointment, it should, the, the appointment is like a new day. It's like, you wanted to be here. It does. And I find that the best partners that I have always appreciated the persistence that I put forth into attaining that appointment and to securing that. Because I was very confident that I had a solution that would be helpful to them. And I was consistent and persistent in making sure we made that conversation happen. So With the right really, intention. Right. And so the best partners I have, have always complimented those qualities. Um, and because they appreciate, um, you know, that we knew that we had something of value and we would not, you know, we wouldn't let up until we got the opportunity to at least talk to them about it. That's all. You know, well, and, and one of the, they the choice. And one of the lines I've heard work really well is like, I know I'm persistent, and that's why we get such great re results for our clients. <laughs> a line you can use. Um, what do you think about people that are like, I'm just a salesperson doing my job, trying to meet my quota, or like, do you have a quick 30 seconds to hear about what we do? You know, those are some typical cold call scripts. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we are all so conditioned to picture that sleaze bag in the used car parking lot. You know, what do I have to do to get you in this car today? And the thing is, is that when you have a salesperson like that, when you have someone who's saying those things, they're probably just not in the right field. Um, they're not coming from a heart of service. They're really just kind of getting through scripts. And so to me, it just is so um, disconnected with, um, with the approach that we take that um, I don't even recognize that anymore. You know, I, I think we had a huge mindset shift last year where we realized that we're no longer in business development. Even though that's what we do for our clients, it's really not sales. We are in education. And, and I think all of sales is truly just education. You can educate people well or very poorly. Um, 
And something like that just sounds like someone who's just not doing a very good job teaching. (laughs) Well, they're definitely not in the education business. They're hitting numbers. And I mean, this comes from the whole like grind, uh, hustle and grind sales department that has a one size fits all strategy for the entire staff and gives them, um, and they have to follow that strategy. It does not matter if it feels weird to them. It doesn't matter if it's ineffective. They have these certain numbers to hit, which I don't know why that's the norm. Anybody listening to this, if you're in that situation, get out. I always say like, I don't know why a manager would care if you were following a strategy, as long as you were hitting numbers and in integrity, who, who gives a shit? Um, but you know, they have to like do these certain things and say these certain things or they like get in trouble at work basically. So much of it is, um, this bro marketing, right. And I was trained with that. I mean, I was trained, um, in a sales room in New York city. It was very boiler room ass, you know, here's the objection. And then he hit the rebuttal tab close. And here's the thing. I learned that formula. I learned how to do that with clients and I was technically very successful at it. But once I was able to step away from that and realize why, even though that might work, that's not what's going to get you long-term relationships. It really was, I was able to see things much broader and much more globally to realize that when we can pair someone's concern with understanding and you know, explanation as to why the solution we're bringing to them will will assist. Um, you know, you don't have to go through that classic rebuttal tout close formula to get to the next step. And if you do, a lot of times it's just you're pushing someone into something that they're not even that interested in. You're strong arming them. Yeah. Thank you. And they just buy to make you go away or they say they're going to buy to make you go away or they refund or any of those things. And, you know, I was watching Wolf of Wall Street the other day, which is like class, you know, classic bro sales movie, like the bros love it. Um, You know, sell me this pin and it's like, get out of here. Um, But anyway, like I saw Jordan Belfort well, Leonardo DiCaprio selling in a cold call. And everyone was like, how did you do that? That was amazing. And it's like, well, he just lied. Like, is that a sales strategy to just literally say absolutely anything? Like, yeah, that could work. Like telling someone a total lie for <laughs> that doesn't seem like a sales strategy to me at all. Um, it just, it seems like it is when your culture is really messed up it is you know there i certainly have been in those sales cultures before that you just say what you've got to say to to get the to get the sale it seems talentless Um, that seems devoid of talent to me like of sales skill or talent it's uh (laughs) it's gross (laughs) You it's, know, it's um, definitely gross, but also I feel like it's like, why would you brag about that? Like, it's, it's like saying that you won when you cheated, like who can't you cheated? Like yeah. you got a head start in the race or you, they dropped you off and you only had to run 10 feet and everyone else had to run a mile. Why are you bragging? 
again, I think so much of that is from, you know, broken cultures, company cultures that they don't care how you get it. They just care about the number. They don't care about what else is going on. They've got investors to report to or they've got this to hit. And the how doesn't really matter to them. The why doesn't even really matter to them. They just need those numbers out. Well, I am so glad that there are women coming in here to revolutionize this experience for buyers and sellers. And knowing that that is the standard norm, approaching it in a way that's different would make you stand out alone, just that alone. So that is a good stopping point for us. And we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. This episode was about cold calling that works without feeling gross. And thanks again to Jennifer for making an appearance as our guest today. Thank you. This is awesome. Um, Can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they could work with you? Sure. Uh, You can go to appreciativeasset.com and learn more about us, contact us through there. Or if you'd like, you can go to appreciativeasset.com backslash assessment and find out um, how to schedule some time with us to learn about your current sales process and how you might be able to find improvements, uh, areas to improve there as well. All right, wonderful. This has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast where we show you how to convert up to 80% of the people you talk to without pain pitching or pretending to be someone else. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.